Luke's Gospel 9 and verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thy and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the ply, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the number you've brought this evening. Thank you for every head and heart and home which is represented. We pray, O God, that you would now settle each and every one of us in with yourself. Lord, that you may speak severally and individually to every heart. And Lord, if there is one tonight or some who have not yet come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, that they would this evening make their calling and their election sure. Father, speak to hearts as you deem it and seem it fit to do. Remember those who can't be with us. Lord, would you give rest to those who are away? And Lord, would you give health to those who are ill? And Lord, would you protect those who are staying away at this present time? Glorify your Son in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And we ask it for his glory, giving you thanks. Amen. In our reading, there are three men. And we can learn from them, each and every one. The first one who comes and says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He was a precipitate disciple. In other words, he was too quick off the mark. He came from a high position down to a low standing by the time the conversation was over. We'll look at it in a moment. The second man in verse 59 The Lord Jesus calls him and says, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. He was a procrastinating disciple, or should I say man. And so this man, he was too slow at the answer, at the call of God, at the call of Christ. And the third one, we find him also in verse 60. And to 61. When Jesus said, then Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home. This man, he was too much of a pendulous man. We say disciple, but they weren't following Christ. 
But that's the nature of the hearts of these men. And when we say that he was a pendulous man, he vacillated. He was one way, then swinging the other. I'll go, but let me first. He turned his head back toward his worldly pleasures and that which Christ had called him from. First, he says, let me go. Do you know that one of the most dangerous words a man and a woman can say to Jesus is? First. First. Let me first. Which means, Christ, you're not first. Notice, suffer me first, the second man said. Suffer me or allow me first. To go and bury my father. Not that his father had passed away and Jesus was being cruel, not allowing him or wanting him to go bury his father. His father wasn't passed away at all. The idea is that he wanted to wait until his father had died, whether it was in the next hour or whether it was in the next 10 years. And so Jesus says, the need of the hour is now, so let the dead bury their dead. The third one He uses the word, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home and my house. Hence Jesus saying, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he was like Lot's wife, who when the angel of the Lord was bringing them out of Sodom, looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. And herein lies the problem with many people even professing Christians, is that they look back too much. Israel in the wilderness looked back to Egypt when things started going hard and tough for them. We remember the onions and the leeks and the garlic and the cucumber. And you're giving us this food, the manna. Brothers and sisters, this manna was the food which was angels' food. It was the food which... God had provided and his provision must be seen as enough in everything. But rather we tend to look back, people look back and they fall away from Christ. Man putting his hand to the plow and looking back, cannot plow, in other words, a straight furrow. His mind isn't on the job. His mind isn't on the service of the kingdom and his mind isn't on Christ and neither is the woman. And Christ is saying, you'll not be able to ply a straight furrow if you're double-minded. Scriptures tell us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A two-spirited man, it means. Am I talking to someone tonight and you're a two-spirited man? A two-spirited woman, I hear now, and it is hard to keep up, but I hear now uh, that is actually a gender now, they say. One of the many of a hundred or so that's meant to be around. A two-spirited person. To me, a two-spirited person, one needs to go. And the Holy Spirit needs in. These men, there are a lot we can learn from them uh, This third man was too attached, too attached to the things that Christ was taking him from. But the the true, the true plowman, the true Israelite 
Hence, Jesus says, I am the true vine. That means I am the true Israelite. And my father is the husbandman because the vine was the symbol of Israel. And what he's saying is, what you failed in, I have accomplished. The law you have broken and sinned by, I have fulfilled. And here we find the true plowman. And there he's found in verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. Notice what it says. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up or Jesus should be crucified and then ascend to his father after the grave. That he should be received up. Notice he steadfastly set his face. Note the word set. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, the idea of this is Jesus' face became as though it was like a flint. Remember our pastor used to always tell us the rendering is Jesus steeled his face. His face was so determined to go to Jerusalem, not for a blessing, but for a crucifying. The determination to do the Father's will for which he was sent, his face was adamant. His face was like a flint. He set his face as though it were steel. And Christ went to Jerusalem. Therein is the perfect plowman. For hence he went all the way to Calvary that you and I might be saved. This first man, we want to focus on him this evening. This first man, it says in verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus wasn't saying that he was dirt poor, as we would say. That he was poverty stricken. Jesus was saying, the life you will live when you follow me will not be an easy life. The life you live, if you follow me, I live an an itinerant life. And every step of the life of Christ was under the will of his Father. He says, if you want to come and walk with me, if you want to come to follow me, then you won't have it easy. And church, I don't know what we expect from the world. I don't know what we expect from society. Because the problem is we want to be liked, we want to be accepted, we want to be loved by the world and the ungodly. But why? When we are accepted and liked and loved by the world, then we're doing something wrong. That we're doing something wrong. I sat to watch, and I don't usually watch these things, a Christian uh, channel, and there was an advert for their church coming on, this church in Canada coming on, and I thought I'll sit and watch this guy preaching and there's an advert really for the church starting. And there's this whole mantra of what the church was. And they called it the contemporary spirit in the church. 
Bible doesn't tell me of a contemporary spirit. The Bible talks of evil spirits. The Bible says in the church you be the Holy Spirit who hasn't changed and doesn't change. But this is what it said. And the gospel that the contemporary spirit brings is an inoffensive gospel. And after that, I just sort of turned it off. A gospel that doesn't offend the sinner. Yes, I said offend. A gospel that doesn't offend the sinner is hardly a gospel at all because the true and the real gospel which Christ preached to the sinners, they took him because of it and crucified him. And now this mantra of easy living in the church and don't rock the boat is now rampant throughout the church. But there's a reason I believe God is showing us this evening in this reading. Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man is not where to lay his head. Brothers and sisters and friends this evening, when we follow Christ, we cannot expect to get everything easy. And if there's someone here tonight and you're not saved, I can promise you one thing. You won't get it easy either. Oh, hold on a minute now. Pastor, don't be saying that because they'll not come to Christ if you tell them the truth. Jesus told the truth. The Christian life is not a bed of roses and the Christian life is not always an easy life and we cannot always get it easy and if a man and woman comes to Christ, you'll find out there is a devil and there is trouble and there is strife. But what I can tell you on the authority of the word that in his grace and his strength, you will make it and he will never leave you nor forsake you. I can promise you that, but I cannot say your life will be a bed of roses because that would not be true. This first man in verse 57 says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. It seems this man means well when he comes to the Savior, but in reality it seems that this man doesn't really understand He doesn't seem to really understand the enormity of what he's saying. He doesn't seem to get the grips of what he's telling Jesus. I will follow you. Wherever you go, I will go. So Jesus doesn't flower it up He doesn't butter him up first and he doesn't coax him and coax him to come to him. In fact, here the first man, Jesus doesn't even tell him to follow him. This man comes to Christ and Christ didn't call him. The second man says, Jesus said, follow me. He called that man. Seems this man means well 
but does he really understand? To follow the Nazarene, the difficulties that he may face. The miracles that were done by the power of Christ in the location of Galilee where this has taken place were attracting many. They were attracting the multitudes. And these miracles, they they were attracting the masses of people were gathering around him. Sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus is ministering and in Capernaum where this is happening. Listen to this. Some of the things that he did. It was around this region as he told the disciples, he told Peter in particular, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft in, in Luke 5 verses 1 to 11. And it's in the same region or area that they hauled that great catch of fish. He taught the word of God in Matthew 5 here. They're listening, they're hearing, they're getting fed. Real food, real bread. He healed Peter's mother-in-law here in Matthew chapter 8. In Mark chapter 2, the man who was lowered through the roof because of the crowds at the house couldn't get the man who was paralyzed to Jesus. And that man who came in with his back on his bed went out with his bed on his back. This was here. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, Mark 5, was here. He raised the little girl out of death in Luke chapter 8, which was in this region and area. He healed two blind men, Matthew 9 here. He healed a, a dumb demoniac in Matthew 9 as well in the same area and region. And the man with the withered hand in the synagogue was healed in Matthew 12. And he rebukes the exact same city of Capernaum for their unbelief. And it's from this town, this certain man walks out and says, I will follow you. Sounds good, one out of how many? But wonder what his motive really was. For example, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, in verse 23 and 24, in fact, from 20 on, he rebukes other towns, but in verse 23 and verse 24, the Lord Jesus rebuking Capernaum, where all of this is happening. And thy Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shall be brought down to hell. How was Capernaum exalted to heaven? How does that happen to a city? This was a hustling, bustling ancient city. And how can you say it was exalted to heaven? You know how it was exalted to heaven? Because Christ was there. Because he ministered there. Do you know how it was exalted to heaven? Simple. His headquarters were there. And now he's saying they'll be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Jesus is likening Capernaum with Sodom. We mentioned Lot earlier on. Sodom, the city that is known for its sin and deprivation. Sodom, the city that is known 
where God rained fire and brimstone out of heaven to burn it up and consume it. And yet here where he'd done all of these miracles, which was raised to heaven, now he says, you'll be worse than Sodom. In Matthew 11 and verse 24 he says, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Jesus says it will be more tolerable in Sodom. In other words, when they stand in judgment, sexual deviancy says, when they stand before me, you Capernaum, with all those wonderful miracles and all that wonderful blessing and all of that raising, as it were, to heaven, my presence in the midst of you, he says, with all of that going on, Says actually Sodom will do better than you. We must remember, brothers and sisters, not to dehumanize anyone because of who they are. Whether it's uh, sexuality, it's too easy to dehumanize people. They are souls, like you are a soul. They will stand before God like every sinner will stand before God. And Jesus says, you Capernaum. Boy, can you imagine in Belfast if that was Jesus going around Belfast and the crowds running after him? We would think that we were elevated to heaven, wouldn't we? Be in every newspaper Beyond social media, there'd be videos taken all over the place in modern day, wouldn't it? And then after that, when he's gone and all of it stopped, I wonder about many who would be left who would actually truly, really follow him. Once the people got what they immediately wanted, like Esau. Give me or else I'll die. We live for the moment, for the here and now. But Christ came that you may have eternity and be saved. Now the question must be asked, did this man who came to the Lord Jesus fully understand what he was saying? Or... Was this man repenting? Was he really repenting as he came to Jesus? Lord, I will follow thee. The word Lord there means rabbi. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Was this man repenting and wanting truly to follow the master's footsteps? What was his motive? Notice here, the word Capernaum means Village of comfort. Village of comfort. What comfort it was to have the headquarters of the master. You know, you go, oh, I ain't going to go to the DUP headquarters or the TUV headquarters or the SDLP headquarters or the. Listen, blah. See, if his headquarters was in the middle, I'd be running to it now. His headquarters. 
Can you imagine? The word village of comfort for Capernaum gives the idea that this city was comforted. Listen, there was more miracles around here and Jesus ministered more around Galilee and the surrounding area than he ever did in Jerusalem. Do you know that? Most of his ministry was around the northern regions. People think it was in Jerusalem. The cross was in Jerusalem. The blood was in Jerusalem. You know why? Because Jewry crucified him in Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters and friends, notice this. Capernaum means a village of comfort, which Christ in his very presence did. And Sodom means burning, which actually happened. And Jesus is saying, because of my presence, and you're not saved, you should know better than Sodom. Capernaum knew no greater comfort than that when the Savior stayed there, than that of his presence was there, than when that when he walked there, talked there, taught there, he lived there, he ministered there, and he healed the sick, and he raised the dead there, he fed the hungry there. What comfort! What blessing! And these cities did not, listen, did not attack Jesus. We hear of Jesus being put out and attacked. No, they didn't attack Jesus. Capernaum didn't attack him once. It was the city of Jerusalem that did. These cities did not drive him out of their midst. They did not seek to stone him, nor to kill him, nor to crucify him. No, not at all. They simply disregarded him. Their indifference towards the Savior was where the danger lay. Brothers and sisters, friends, listen. Indifference. They didn't attack him, but they were indifferent to him. Their sin was their indifference. They neglected Christ after all that he had shown them, told them, taught them, and what he had done for them. Their sin was their indifference. And indifference does not burn religious adherence to death. I want you to catch this because this is important. Indifference does not burn religious adherence to death or does not burn religion. Indifference doesn't burn, it freezes them. I think today, I'm not good on social media. Anybody knows me, I can do very little. And Andrew and Denise and I get Alison and the girls, whatever I need, to help me. But there's something called ghosting, isn't there? Am I right? When someone's messaging you and it's as if they're not there, you blank them. 
It's as if they don't exist. See, you're, you're indifferent to them. You're indifferent. And where there is indifference, there is danger. Capernaum was indifferent. Their indifference towards Christ brought the danger. Indifference does not behead people. No. Indifference suffocates them of all their life. Indifference simply means apathy or to be apathetic. It means or gives the idea of casualness, complacency, disregard, disinterestedness. By the way, that's the word I looked that up. Disinterestedness, not caring. Indifference is the quality, the state, or the fact of being. And Capernaum's quality, Capernaum's state, and their fact of being was they were apathetic when it came to Christ. I would say they were more pathetic when it came to Christ. They were casual about his presence. Sure, he's feeding us, he's healing us, he's doing this, he's blessing us, he's there for us. Whenever we need him, he's there's headquarters there. We can go there and see Peter and all of this sort of stuff. And there was Jesus ministering in the midst of them and they were indifferent. They came to him and followed him and cared nothing for him. When Christ's claims were laid on them, when the signs and the wonders weren't doing what they used to do, and they were fed and they weren't hungry and they weren't looking help and all the sick were healed, then, brothers and sisters, here's what we find. They became totally indifferent to Christ. So was it any wonder that the Lord said in Matthew 12 and 30, He that is not with me is against me. Any wonder he says that. He that is not with me is against me. No. Listen, no indifference. There's no casualness. There's no complacency. There's no halfway house. And there's no fence straddling with Christ. You're either all in or you're all out. People sitting on the fence when it comes to him. Listen, the devil owns the fence. Are you all in? Or are you all out? If you're sitting on the fence with Christ, you're all out. Are you all in? Or are you all out? When there is an indifference to Christ and his gospel, there is no hostility towards his blood-washed, his redeemed church. I want to say it again because I'm going to bring you more up to speed now in this day. When there is an indifference to Christ and his gospel, 
there is no hostility toward his blood-washed, redeemed church. Stay with me, because this sounds and this seems good, but we must ask ourselves to be honest. Be honest with ourselves before God and even before man. What sort of people were coming to Christ and professing him as their Lord and Savior? And what caliber of believer were they that were brought into a church that's become indifferent? I'd say, what do you mean? What on earth do you mean? Well, the world, the world, people, our nation were, as it were, indifferent when it came to the things of God for years outside there. Before I was saved, I wouldn't have gone attack a Christian. I wouldn't go and slander them or I thought they were maybe a bit away in the head or something, but I would not have went and done anything out of the ordinary against them because I just didn't care. I was indifferent to Jesus. Was there a Jesus? I was indifferent. I didn't care. When I was in the world. And for years the world, our nation, our society was like that. They didn't really care enough. Yes, there are always oppositions and always troubles and things, but comparison to 2021, the place, the worldly were, they were indifferent. The preacher could stand behind his pulpit and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. He could stand and preach, as it were, about sin, about heaven, about hell, about the lost, about salvation. He could preach about Sodom if he wished. And there'd be no worries about him being brought to court over it or put in a prison. The world was indifferent. Our land was indifferent. Our government was indifferent. Our nation was indifferent. They didn't care. You could take and you could preach the word And you could show the evils of Rome. You could take it and you could show the evils of man's heart. You could mention the other religions like Islam and and the things that they believe and without any fear or favor in our own land. You could preach it and the world was indifferent. But today, uh, my own late pastor pulled over a quango court for saying Islam was a doctrine of devils. And that he didn't trust. Brothers and sisters, how do you trust someone you don't know? The world was indifferent. Capernaum was indifferent to Christ. They weren't stoning him. They weren't beating him. They weren't taking his disciples and railing on them. They weren't taking them and throwing them out of their towns and out of their cities. They weren't threatening to abuse them. They were indifferent. 
But it was the indifference after Christ being in the midst of them, which he said, you are exalted to heaven and you will be brought to hell. See, where there is indifference, there is danger. And I know a lot of Christians who are indifferent to Christ. I know a lot of Christians who claim him, but they take and leave him. They take and leave his house. They take and leave the meetings. They take and leave their time with him. They're indifferent. They're complacent. Now the world for years, yes, there were troubles. Yes, there was hardships. I'm not saying there's always been, always been an enemy against God's people. Well, brothers and sisters, compared to today and the things that are happening in our land and in our nation and the laws that are being drawn up and executed among us, while the world was indifferent, what happened was the indifference from the world. Guess where it went? Come into the church. The indifference of the world came into the church. But if you notice, Christ did not stay in Capernaum. He gave it the woe. He shook the dust from off his feet. And he went on to Calvary. The indifference came into the church. And I wonder what caliber... I'm not talking about people, whether they're nice people or not nice people. I'm talking because I was not a nice person. I was a sinner. But what caliber of Christians' brackets were made in the so-called church for the years that now we are in? For the years that now we stand in? Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So can now do you want to follow me? Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. So now, Derek, do you want to follow me? Many of the Indifferent Christians who were indifferently taught in the church are falling by the wayside, running scared. Foxes of holes and birds of the air have nests. I got this scripture walking through Malahide outside Dublin, and it just came to me. Foxes of holes, birds of the air have nests. Son of man, if not where to lay his head, and I stopped. They didn't even say to Allison. It's going round and round my head. That's the way it works. And I thought, when I get home, I have another subject I'm going to write on. I'm going to write on 30 pieces of silver. You know what? It would fit in this message. You know why? Because many have become so indifferent, they would sell Christ if they could. There's many have sold Christ for the lusts and the loves and the likes and the wants of this world. 
All things have got hard and you don't understand. Oh, well, I sort of drifted off. I understand people get it hard. And I understand when the heart grows cold. I understand because I'm a human myself. But I will never sell Christ. I will certainly not sell it for the Judas 30 pieces of silver. Is that what he means to you, brother? Is that what he means to you, sister? 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. Ah, if it's the world that they want, let them have it. And as the hymn writer wrote, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hand. I'd be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. The indifference in the life will bring you danger. What are you saying, preacher? Get back to the cross and get on fire. All in for Christ. Or are you all out? There's no setting on the fence. We're living in a day of upheaval all over the world, but I'm more interested at this present time in where Ulster is. The most dangerous position in our 100-year history. I'm more interested in where she will be with all the skullduggery and all of the things that are happening in Westminster. I'm more interested in where are the men of God that will stand up Where's the women of God that will stand up? But the indifference has come. Oh, don't rock the boat. Oh, don't be saying that, you'll get into trouble. Oh, I'm going to end up in court. Listen, do you know they're slaughtering babies by the thousands in Northern Ireland? We've lost sight of many things. And we've become indifferent to what is happening in our land. Notice here, the indifference of the world in those years. And the church seems to be flourishing, coming in. And what happens was the church, the days of Knox, Scotland. I think the days of Wesley. Oh, you're going back hundreds of years. Yes, but bear with me. I think of those men standing against the, the tide of, of Rome up in Scotland under Mary. I think of, of the Wesleys with a, a Russian revolution coming to England. Or pardon me, a French revolution coming to England. Wesley was thrown off the roads. He was kicked out of churches everywhere he went. And he preached and they even let a bull out on him in a field. He kept preaching. There was something in him. There was something in him of Christ. He was undeterred. And after a long, long time of him being put out of everywhere, he wasn't allowed. He preached sanctification of life. He wasn't allowed in the Anglican church. He wasn't allowed to preach in the church of England. He won't be allowed to preach in the church of Ireland. He wasn't allowed to preach in the Protestant churches. You know why? Because he was preaching sanctification of the Spirit. And one day, I suppose he maybe felt like giving up. One day he went into a field one Sunday 
And he went to preach and 10,000 people turned up to hear him preaching. And he didn't even have a microphone on like I have. All people say, oh, you shouldn't be shouting in the church and you shouldn't be shouting. Well, listen, you want to tell John Knox that? Thundering his voice out. It was said of a man who was, who was a, a, an ardent follower of the preaching of John Knox was walking at, at 4.30 in the morning to be up in this field where Knox would be preaching in Scotland at around 5 o'clock. And as he's walking up, he sees this man who was an atheist come out of his house and start walking with him. And realizing as they're walking on, this man is going the same direction as him. And he says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to hear John Knox preaching. He says, but you don't believe you're an atheist. You don't believe in God. He says, I know, but he does. But he does. And there are many preachers. You wonder if they even know him, let alone believe in him. Notice here, the world and their indifference over the years. You see, the church started, you know, you can get saved. Just say this next week, prayer. Come on, quick. Let us get another notch on the, on the board here that we can say, another soul's get saved. Come on. They started preaching little sermons. Sermonettes. Make Christianettes. And indifference came into the church. Those men of the past, the George Jeffreys, were kicked out of everywhere. They weren't allowed in. Their first meeting here was in Monaghan, 1915. Places were closed to them because, well, because they were Pentecostal, but because they believed in the full gospel message. Brothers and sisters, uh, the churches became watered-down messages with them. The the churches, their indifference was full of the people and the people filled the church. The world and the people of their indifference, they profess Christ. But they don't possess Christ, many of them. The social gospel, the easy living health, wealth and prosperity gospel grew in churches. The best life now teaching the hippie flower power movement in church, the politically correct, non-offensive pop culture, soft sofas and casual chatting instead of preaching with our coffees in our hands, gimmicks and comedians preaching to the people. Indifferent about the gospel and indifferent about Christ. They produced Christless crowds. A Bibleless preacher in many churches who comes up to this sacred desk, if he's no Bible and there's no word preached, he's a pretender. He's a pretender. A Bibleless preacher, a worldly pulpit, a Christless message a bloodless gospel, a powerless testimony, and a spiritless church. These produce profession without conviction, hearts without repentance, 
and misguided souls without conversion. The indifference of the world has eventually brought indifference into the church. But now, brother, now, sister, the church has become so indifferent about Christ and his gospel. Mickey learned fairy tales in the pulpit. Pop culture, skinny jeaned preachers. No word of God opened. No word opened. No word preached and no word expounded. And the people don't really care. You know why? Because it was a nice wee night. It was not a nice wee evening. We sat on the nice sofa with our coffee in our hands and talked with our microphones on, nice and lulled. And as we talked, people had their feelings. We don't want to preach an offensive gospel. I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm glad the gospel offended me the night I got saved. For the gospel said to me, Ken, you're a sinner. The law of God pointed it to me. The gospel showed me the remedy, and that was Christ. Listen, the indifference is in the world, or pardon me, in the church, but the indifference now, 2021, it's not in the world anymore. I'm going to say it again. The indifference now is not in the world anymore. The indifference is in the church. The, church, the world hates the true church. So while they were indifferent and we were Isn't this great? And we had a bit of conflict, but they were indifferent to Christ. Here, the believers, the true believers, were trying to preach the gospel and gather in until the gospel becomes watered down and softened, until there's no offense in it. And what happens is they say, well, this is good, let's go over. And they both become one. And when they both become one, it's hard to figure out who are the tares and who are the wheat. But now... The world outside and the church is all indifferent, complacent. The world outside is no longer indifferent. The world outside is against the church. The government, if it had its way, listen, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say he told me it. But a well-known politician one time said privately, privately, Do you see, if they could get away with it, Westminster would close every church in the land. Boy, they did it, didn't they? It happened. Church, it's time to rise up, to stop being so indifferent in the things of God. It's time to put on our big boy trousers, brother. And whatever you put on, sister, I don't know. 
the indifference of the world is gone. They hate the law and the gospel of saving grace in Christ. They hate the word of God. They hate, they belittle, they detest the true, unashamed, unafraid, born-again Christian who are being raised up out of this Laodicean church age. Laodicean church age is the seventh church from chapter Revelation 2 and 3. It's the last church, and it represents the last church age before Christ returns, and we are it. Laodicean means lukewarm. Laodicean church age was prophesied as the church that makes Jesus want to spew us out of his mouth. Why? Because we're indifferent. We're neither hot nor cold. It means we're not hot and burning with zeal, neither refreshingly cold. Oh, it's refreshing to see that CET up there in the field under a, under a canvas roof. It's refreshing. Oh, look at them now. They're burning hot with zeal for me. Oh God, I hope that is true. I hope Christ does not look at us and say, you, you make me sick. Many are already renouncing Christ. There's many over even in the States who were known to be in certain groups. I don't know their songs. I've read about them. I've read up on them. But they were well known in the Christian circles they were worship leaders in churches or whatever, and they were in groups, some were even pastors, and now they're denouncing Christ. Do you know why? Because they became indifferent. Or maybe they were saved in the age of indifference in the church, and what caliber of believer are they selling Christ for the 30 pieces of silver? Brothers and sisters, to whom else would we go? Thou alone hast the words of eternal life, Lord. Many are renouncing Christ. Many are falling away and backsliding from him so easily because of pressure. Pressure from family, pressure from friends, pressure from work, pressure from government, pressure from this and pressure from that. Brothers and sisters, we need to really get a grip of ourselves and realize, get rid of the indifference. Are we all in or are we all out? Notice, there are many ecumenizing. That is an ecumenical movement that has went rife throughout the blood-washed church. As I said, next year in Abu Dhabi, the Pope Francis, the head of the Jesuit order, he is now the head of the one-world religion, bringing them all into a one-world government. Ah, but you're fundamental, you see. You're too hard. Brothers and sisters, I'd rather be called fundamental and too hard than to walk into a cesspit with vipers. I've been nibbled worse anyway before. Far worse. 
the, they are already accumulating from their so-called consecrated call being separate and come out from among her. And now the hearted daughters are gathering together under the great whore of Babylon. They are already indifferent when it comes to their Christian witness and their responsibilities in Christ. And they are already indifferent showing that what's in them or even what's worse, what's not in them. Do you know what this period, what's known as this whole COVID period, do you know what it's really done? It's showing up who the goats are. Protestant churches all over the country, full of goats. I'm not saying that to be, I'm not saying that to be crass or offensive. Protestant churches all over the country are full of goats. Goats everywhere. Where there is indifference, there is danger. Many a man's defense Many a woman's defense may be, but I never did anything. Well, your defense may be, in fact, your very condemnation. Your own defense may be your condemnation. Remember the parable in Luke 19 of the ten servants, each one receiving a pound each, and the man who is Christ goes into a far country, and he comes back looking to see what they had done with their pound. And in verse 13 of Luke 19, the Lord says, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come back again. He didn't say, Church, go and hide. He didn't say, Church, go and enter in with every religion that is about and ecumenize with them. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know, stand by by every law, wrong and immoral law that your government passes. He didn't say that. He didn't say, heal Caesar while I'm away and sure we'll be all right with it. He said, occupy till I come. You and I, are the occupational force of heaven? What sort of job are we doing? How's your pound, brother? How's your pound, sister? So when he comes back, this man, he wrapped it up as pound and he hid it. And this is what he says to Jesus in verse 22 of Luke 19. He said, I, I knew you were an austere man, and so I wrapped it up, paraphrasing, and I hid it. So there's your pound. At least I haven't lost anything, Jesus. I was a wee bit indifferent, but there you are. I was a little bit incomplacent with what you gave me to do, but there you are. Jesus, don't you feel a lucky boy because of me? Well, God, you should feel so blessed. In fact, you should be lucky. I'm using that word on purpose because that's why people think that I have come to church today. Here's your pound. 
Listen to what Christ said. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. But I never did anything. All right, I wasn't all for, but I'm not against either. You weren't complacent. You may not have wanted to kick him out of town, but you weren't exactly welcoming him in. In Luke 9 and 57, this certain man, and was this certain man in honesty of heart? Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Matthew's account, we are told that he's a scribe, so we know he's off the law. He's off the, the pharisaical religious law. He could tell you the Old Testament inside out. He's a certain scribe. Now, the indifference to Christ and his word was evident among the people as their needs were met and satisfied. They wanted everything for the flesh, but didn't want him to enter in the spirit. In the case of follow the, it's a case of follow the gifts and not the giver. Follow the healing and not the healer. Everybody wants to go to heaven but they don't want the Savior. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but they all don't want the Savior. They're indifferent to him. Sure, I'm not against you. It's not all right. He said to Capernaum, you've been exalted. You know when you hear the word of God? You know when you hear the word of God preached? Do you know when you hear the gospel of saving grace? As it were, God is showing you to exalt you, as it were, to heaven. He's showing you the glories of God and his word. And those who reject him and die like that, they will be brought down low to hell. I better wrap this up. This certain man or scribe, he says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But the Lord does not sugarcoat the message. He doesn't soften the word to glamorize the gospel to suit his needs. He says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air hath nests, but the son of man of not where to lay his head. And what is believed is this scribe seen only the glitz and the glam, as it were. But he didn't see the gore and the grind. And that's all people usually see. You know, people see whether it's a pastor preaching. Wow, I want to be a pastor up there. Believe me, you really don't. I promise you, you do not. Bob Gass, oh, years ago was in Whitewell, and, you know, he was saved under Pastor McConnell's ministry, and they were friends all their life, and and he, he came to preach one time at Whitewell, and I was, I was was not long saved, just a few years. And I remember Bob Gass getting up to preach, and I can't remember how I came around, but he said, he says, you know, I just thank the Lord and, and praise him that he delivered me from being a pastor. And I thought, oh, I'm horrified. Imagine God calling you and you saying that. And that troubled me for a long time. I understand him now. Just God hasn't delivered me yet. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. It looks like 
the glitz and the glam, if we can put it like that. But what people don't realize is the, the gore and the grind, the mud and the dirt in everyday life. And this man seemed to see, as it were, the glitz and the glam, but he didn't realize to follow Christ. There's a gore and a grind. I'm sure the church are thinking of CET or whoever's listening. This man's trying to put people off from coming to Christ. I'm not. I'm not. I'm showing you that he's worth it. To follow him. To walk with him. To know him. To love him. To serve him. To have him. Have him every day in the life. To have Christ in the worst of times. In the blessed times. Every time. It is worth all this world could afford. Okay, scribe, put your name in there. I'll put mine. Okay, scribe, there's a narrow path to walk. Okay, scribe, there's a sanctifying cross to bear. Okay, scribe, there's a full-time devil to face. Okay, scribe, there's a, a world who will hate you. There's a fleshy man called yourself that you must crucify every day. Okay, scribe, there's a total, incomplete surrendering to do. Foxes of holes, the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man of not where to lay his head. Do you want to follow me now? Are you all in or are you all out? We never read of this scribe again. It's never mentioned. There will be mountains to climb, brothers and sisters, because Christ has told us that foxes have holes and birds of the earth have nests. The Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Nobody wants him but those who know him and love him. We will have mountains to climb. We will have giants to slay. We will have dangers to face. We will have enemies which stand against us. There will be times of testings and trials and troubles. The indifferent, the indifferent will either lose their salvation, for they care not of the things of Christ. And those who profess him who have become indifferent may lose their reward if they ever knew him. Many will ride along with the populist trend. Many will ride along with what the populist trend of what's happening in our world today. And they will heal Caesar and denounce Christ for an easy life. I trust it's none in here. Things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. Whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. And so are you.
Do I want trouble? No. Do I want prison? No. Am I looking death? No. But for Christ, for Christ, I'm willing. Every step of the way. You know why? Because he is worth it. I say this and that's me finished. Listen to Puritan Vavasor Paul. He's speaking on persecution. Vavasor Paul says, Much grace exercise that brings persecution. For the sweeter and better the fruit is, better the fruit is, the more slinging there will be at the tree. I'm going to read it one more time, then I'll tell you, in case you haven't grasped it. Much grace exercised brings persecution. For the sweeter and better the fruit is, the more slinging there will be at the tree. <laughs> you don't go to a tree and see half rotten fruit and start throwing a stick up to try and get the apple or the orange or the pear down, do you? You go to where the sweetest, most beautiful fruit is. And when the Christian life is sold out for Christ, when the old man and the old woman has been crucified daily, when we walk with him and talk with him and know him, when we serve him and willing to stand for him, then, brothers and sisters, the fruit will be sweet. But be prepared. The fruit will be sweet. Oh, you'll produce fruit. But you be prepared. The more the people will want to throw at it. The more people will want to throw at it. He never called this man. But the second one he says, follow me. Follow me. Uh, let me first go bury my father. <laughs> let the dead bury the dead. Come follow. That's another sermon for another time. May God bless us all this evening. God bless his word to all of our hearts. Remember, where there's indifference, there's danger.